Welcome to Waypoint Church um, Sunday Online. We are so glad that you're able to connect with us and be part of this. Uh, Whether you're watching through YouTube or Church Online or listening to our podcast, we're just really excited that you're you're part of what um, God is doing in us and around us. Uh, We want to keep connected with you. Please, if you have any questions or prayer requests or just want to comment, um, contact us online uh, by email or by phone. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We're also doing things um, based at our church. There's a help hub, which are helping lots of people in our community. And I asked Claire, who's heading up that work in the church, to give us a bit of an update. So here's a video from Claire. Hi, we just wanted to give you an update and show you a little bit of what's been going on here at Waypoint Church. If you walked into the church today, it would be looking very different to how it did two months ago when we were last together on that Sunday. At the front door, we've got our donations box and then we've got our welcome and reception area here. Behind me, we've got all of the food that is ready and waiting to be made up into food parcels. Once those food parcels have been made up, they are stored in the auditorium. And then over here, we've got our area where we're making up our boredom buster bags. This year, our motto text was, see, I am doing a new thing. We had no idea that that new thing was gonna look like this. These last seven weeks have just been an amazing opportunity where we've been able to make a difference, to make an impact in our community. At our dedication service, just at the end of January, Malcolm Duncan gave us that call to be a place of hope, light, joy and refuge. And that is exactly what we have been doing over these last couple of months. Team of amazing volunteers from the church and the community have been going out daily into our community to just support those who are in need, to make a difference and to be that place of hope, light, joy and refuge. Thank you for your donations. Without them, we wouldn't be able to support all of the people we're supporting. Thank you for the finances you've been giving as well. I want to add my thanks to to Claire's thanks. I'm so excited that that there's some real positive things that that so many people are doing, those in the Help Hub, but I know many folks are helping their neighbours and ringing around. There's some challenges about, but there's some really good, encouraging things happening as well. And I want to thank you for being part of that as a church family and beyond. Before we dive into today's worship and sermon, I I want to just to stop and to pray. So, So let's do that. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your your love endures forever. I thank you, God, that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. I thank you, God, that besides being big and almighty, you're also close and personal. And as we just set some time apart right now, as we focus our, our hearts and minds on you and settle, I pray that we may also open our hearts Father, we're not ignoring the pressures around and the needs of our world, which we do bring to you. But Father, right now, I pray that you might meet with us, that you may touch us and that we may reach out to you and be strengthened by encountering the living God. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you are part of our wider church family, you would have received an email which gives a playlist of some suggested songs to worship. I want to encourage you to do that, to to set some time apart and spend some time deliberately worshipping God. Um, In song, whether you can sing or not, it doesn't matter. But just sing a new song to the Lord, the Bible tells us. 
And I want to encourage you to, to spend some time, lift your eyes and your heart and connect with God to, to worship, either right now um, or after the sermon. I want to encourage you to do that. Today we kick off a new series looking um, at the book of Daniel uh, under the title Living in Plan B. The reason we've called this is this living in plan B is because Daniel was facing a really difficult situation. He was in a in, in a position that he didn't choose. All of his normalities were, were taken away. His future and what that might look like was so uncertain. I, I think many of those things we might be able to relate to in, in different ways. Um, but what we see in Daniel is he didn't just compromise and fade away. He didn't get pressured under all those uh, expectations on him. What we find is he, his faith survived, but actually more than survived, it also thrived. And we want to look at, at how can our faith thrive living in plan B, in a plan, plan A, which is what we love, but plan B is what we have. And how do we live in that? I, I know that some of us, um, face that pressure when it comes to, to the COVID-19 and the, the restriction on there. But some other pressures we face are, around us are, are, are similar. But I think that God has some really clear lessons for us to learn. Over the weeks, I want to encourage you to, to read the, the chapter of Daniel, read the book of Daniel that help you uh, engage with this more and learn more and, and get enriched by what God has to, to say to us. Um, but right now, uh, we're going to read uh, Daniel 1, verses 1 to 17. If you have your Bibles, like to open that up, Daniel 1. Daniel's in the Old Testament, near the, the, the second half of the Old Testament. And uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. Um, Kathy's going to read it for us if you want to follow her as she reads. Daniel 1, verses 1 to 17, subtitled Daniel's Training in Babylon. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, they were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to, to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? 
the king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. The setting of the, the book of Daniel is quite significant just to, to get that your sort of perspective on that. And let me go back a few hundred years in, in history for Dan, from Daniel. So the, the nation of Israel is established under King David. He brings the tribes together and it's one kingdom and it begins to, to stabilize and, and to grow. And uh, we, we see just that nation getting stronger. And David dies and his son Solomon takes over. And under Solomon, the nation continues to grow. Solomon also is the one who built the temple, this temple in the middle of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. And uh, we, have, we hear stories of, of God's presence uh, filling that temple and just overwhelming people with what God was doing. The temple is a place where sacrifices were brought. It was the center of, of that whole faith movement um, in Israel. When Solomon died, his son Rehoboam took over. But under Rehoboam, the, the nation then split. It split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Now, the northern kingdom um, began to sort of drift away from God. They, they didn't really follow God. They set up other idols and other places. And, and year upon year, they drew further and further away from God until eventually they were invaded by the Assyrians from the north. And the, the people were just, just scattered and spread around and, and, and lost that identity. Meanwhile, um, the southern kingdom st still stayed together under, um, under different kings. Remember, that's where um, Jerusalem was and the temple was and that center of worship. See, but they too kept drifting away from, from God, doing other things and, and, and just got fickle with God. And then something catastrophic happened is they were invaded by the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar totally destroyed the city, totally destroyed the temple. All that they knew, their hopes, their, their pro the promises, the plans, um, all of the, the religious things they did, um, all of those things were just wiped out. And the people were taken into captivity over a thousand miles away into Babylon. And this is where we pick up the book of, of Daniel. A catastrophic thing just happened. All of the things that they were familiar with are now gone. All of the normalities are, are, are now gone. Everything they thought is now gone. And we come, we come across Daniel and his friends, and they were just teenagers. And these teenagers who were ripped away from home and tradition and, and all normality were then dropped into a different culture. It wasn't they then had to work their way and, and survive in this culture. They actually were entered onto a training program, which was designed specifically to, to get them to think like Babylonians. 
So they were taught Babylonian uh, um, literature and the language and their religions. They would have, have done teaching on how to interpret the stars, how to understand sheep's liver. I, I know many of us understand that already, but they didn't know. And they were taught that because that was a Babylonian thing. And, and all of this teaching was, was put into a program that lasted for three years. Intensive training. Uh, just pause and imagine that for a second. 24-7 for three years, day in, day out, you're taught a different way of thinking. Because what the Babylonians wanted to do was to push away their old life, the good, the bad and everything. Push away their their promises and hopes and, and things of God. Push them away and to grab hold of this new reality that that is what they had to live in. It was actually worse still because it wasn't just to get them to think different and learn the literature. They were also um, renamed. So, so Daniel is renamed Bel- Belthazar. Basically, they all were uh, renamed and their names were removed from names that were more honoring to God to names that honored other gods. So it wasn't just you're taught different things is that you were given the label every time they called your new name. They were affirming a different God. And some scholars go one step further. They're saying in the king's service, these these young men who are handsome and had so much promise, they were also forced to become eunuchs. Now, being restricted to home for, for seven, eight, 12 weeks is quite restrictive. But I think the eunuchs is, is probably a step further, <laughs> definitely a step further. But Daniel and his friends, they were under this incredible pressure to, to conform to a way that, that left behind all the old things and into this new thing. They were definitely living in a plan, not maybe plan B or C or D, definitely not what they wanted. And, and they had a faith that still thrived. As I said earlier, uh, we might be able to relate a little bit to uh, to the different circumstances that they were facing, that restriction of the normality and, and losing our, our normal traditions and how maybe we connected with God and gathering together as a church uh, and just getting out and doing things is, is we have been restricted. I think some of the other things that we are put pressure on can relate to, to Daniel and his friends as well. Because sometimes at, at work or at home, in, in our society, we are being squeezed into a mold that, that so often leads away from God. In the way that we behave, in the way that we view money, in the way that we view ourselves, in the way that we view other people, our culture so often pushes us away, trains us to think in a way that's different from God. And yet Daniel and his friends had a faith thrived. So how do you have a faith that thrives living in plan B? Each chapter of Daniel, I'm going to pull out a a, a key lesson and then work out how we do that lesson. And the first thing we get from Daniel 1 is this. The way that we have a faith that thrives in plan B is, is this, is that we need to guard our hearts. It's simply that we need to guard our hearts. See, when when circumstances change, what we're facing now or when you're in a workplace or a home where you're getting pressurized with a, a situation you, you don't like and you, you don't want uh, maybe a health thing, maybe a pressure from someone else or society. And you're going, this is just too hard. What often bubbles up in us is, a, is that feeling of, of, God, where are you? Uh, and maybe other feel well, definitely other feelings of maybe anger. This is not fair uh, of feeling frustrated, but I want to do something, but I feel trapped. Or maybe you're feeling a bit of that isolation. It's only me and I'm by myself. 
of loneliness or, or self-pity. And, and all of these emotions tend to, tend to bubble up inside us when we find ourselves facing plan B in big ways and small ways. They, they exist there. The way, we, the way we have a faith that thrives in this situation is the first thing we need to do is to guard our hearts. So don't allow the circumstances to be thing that, that, that dictates and moves us around and molds us. It is We need to start with our hearts. And, and three things we have from this Daniel 1 of, of how we guard our hearts. The first thing is this, is remember that God is still God. Daniel and his friends were, were facing all sorts of restrictions and pressures to live life differently. And, and yet in Daniel 1, there's a little phrase that I want you to see that, that is repeated three times in verse 2, in verse 9 and in verse 17. In verse 2, it says that, that God delivered Jehoiakim, the, the king, into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 9, it says the Lord let the, the guard show favour towards Daniel. In verse 17, it says that the Lord gave uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, gave them wisdom. Now, the writer wants us to be really clear here that, that this is something that God did. There's the same Hebrew word used in each of those three verses. And, and the Hebrew word is a verb that says that God gave. It's God gave. So when the, the city was uh, um, taken over by Neb and, and destroyed, it was that God gave this to Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't that Nebuchadnezzar overpowered God. It's God actually allowed it. With that favor that Daniel experienced in, in, chapter, in uh, verse 9, it wasn't because Daniel was just a charming fella and the, the guard went, you know what? I like you, so I'm going to help you. It's that God gave that favor. And in verse 17, it wasn't that they were bright because there's a crack in education system. You know, the grammar system is much better than that. It, it was that God gave. The writer wants us to know that God is still in control. He's not saying that the all bad things are from God. It's saying whatever happens in our world, whatever happens in our life is God is still God. And that's a way of protecting our hearts is remember that God has not lost control. It's so easy to have our circumstances be the things that, that dictates how we view God. To have our circumstances be the thing that dictates how we feel and, and how we decide and make decisions. But remembering that God is still God, it's, it helps us to guard our hearts. We celebrated Easter only a few weeks ago where, where we hear the story of God becoming one of us and living this perfect life in Jesus and, and then dying on a cross, suffering and then rising again. And basically him taking the place of us to make it possible for us to know God. God did everything to make it possible for us to know him. And yet what we can find ourselves is, is having our circumstances almost eclipsing this greater truth that God has saved us and brought us into relationship gets eclipsed because the now I'm facing this plan B is horrendous. I don't like it. It's frustrating. It's angering me. Remembering that God is still God helps us guard our hearts. Many of you will know that um, I'm going blind. My sight is deteriorating so, so quickly. Uh, a few years ago, uh, Kathy was very kind to me. It's always good to mark those dates when Kathy was kind. And she was incredibly kind, as you'll find out in a few seconds. Uh, Kathy said it'd be really good for uh, me to, to spend a bit of time getting my head and my heart around the reality of, of losing so much stuff because of my sight. I spoke to a church counsellor who gave me some tools. 
And then I needed to go and spend some time away doing this. Now, this is where Kathy was incredibly kind um, because she said, spend some time with one of our, my, our mates, Andy. And Andy happened to live in San Diego. So Kathy released me to fly to San Diego and spend some time with a really good friend. It was a real bittersweet moment, really. It was sweet because just lovely catching up with Andy and spending time with him. But it was also bitter because each day I, I had to set some time apart and say, OK, God, I need to get my head around and to, to thank you for some of the things that I have been given by you. But I'm not going to be able to see my kids grow up. I'm not going to be able to see when, when my girls get married to see them in their wedding dresses. I'm not going to see uh, Kathy uh, as she grows older. I know Kathy thinks that's a benefit, but actually that's not. It's, it's such a, a hard thing because visual is so important. There's so many things around the world when we go on trips to places. You know, we want to go to Australia, hopefully next year. But I'm just aware that there's so much I'm not going to see. And I had to get my head around that and my heart around that. Halfway through the week, I think God really spoke and did something quite significant. Um, as opposed to spending time and saying, God, I thank you for what um, I, I have been given, like a jewel or a gem you've given me of, of seeing my kids when they're young, of seeing things. And then blindness, stealing them away. It was a flipping it around and saying, God, what I want to do is opposed to seeing blindness as a thief, restricting my life and this plan B, I want to give it all to you, God. Everything is yours, God. Everything I see, everything I experience is your God. And whatever good things you pour back into my life, I want to be grateful for. I want to be thankful. So instead of the, the blindness stealing everything, God, I want to look to you as a generous God who understands and gives good gifts. About six months after I was in San Diego and, and made that real heart commitment with God, um, I found myself in, in South Africa and just God set it up and met some people. And I was at the, the southern point of Africa where the Atlantic Ocean meets the Indian Ocean and there was wind was blowing, clear sunny day, and you could actually see where the two seas met. It, it was a line that stretched off into the horizon. And I just had that whisper of God saying, Mark, have another gem. I'm still going to give you good things. Now, remembering that God is still God, even in the midst of tough things, is not always easy. I'll admit, I, I'm not always thankful and I, I'm still having to be reminded of that. There are some things that we just don't understand in this plan B, maybe at work or at home or with health, with situations. And we're going, I just don't know how to cope with this. You may not been given, be given an explanation, but the truth is God is still God. And this is the first part of how do we guard our hearts, of how do we thrive in plan B, is by, by remembering that. I think some of us, we might need to, to stop and, and lift our eyes and get a bigger view of who God is. Maybe pray, ask for prayer to say, can you just pray that I, I might have that bigger view of God, see God bigger for who he is. That was the first thing that Daniel and his friends did. The second thing they did to help, um, to, to help guard their hearts was this, is that they did something practical. Now, under this incredible pressures to conform to the Babylonian ways, they, they gathered together. They were a little group. They, they encouraged one another. They cheered one another. They gave hope to one another. I think many folks are doing that in your small groups and groups of friends other Christians, it's a really good thing to do is to get other people to cheer you on, to encourage you on, to give hope. So when one's down, the other one gets lifted up. It's a really good practical thing to do. But but Daniel and the, and the lads did something else in verse eight. It says that Daniel chose not to defile himself with the king's food. 
Now, now why food at this thing? Now, there's two things. Some scholars reckon that that the food that was given to uh, Daniel and, and all these guys under training would have already been offered to another God. And uh, Daniel wasn't wanting to eat food that was given dedicated to another God. Now, that, that may be true. But the truth is that, that vegetables would have been offered to the gods as well. So that's probably not the strongest argument. Um, others saying is because uh, the, the meat uh, was sort of blood in it and, and it didn't honor God. And by eating uh, um, food so that's not kosher, which the um, Levitical law said, Jewish law said it had to be kosher. And he didn't want to defile himself that way. And that, that may have been the case. I, I think there's something deeper going on here. I think that Daniel and, and the, the boys chose chose to go this vegetable and water route because they wanted to do to set up a practical reminder, a practical prompt for them to go. I'm remembering that God is still God. It was this internal thing so that every time they ate three times a day, every time they ate, they're going, yep, I know the Babylonians are trying to control my circumstances and those things around me, but I'm still God on the inside. I'm still God. God, I still dedicate my life. See, because this wasn't a protest vote. This wasn't, I'm doing vegetable just to protest and look how good I am. Because the king did not know about this. It was clear the king, he was kept hidden from the king. Also, you read in Daniel 10, is that Daniel ate rich food. So he, it's not that he was against rich food. It was just here. I think it was that, that personal prompt to say, um, I can't control anything. But what I can do is keep reminding myself, putting a practical prompt in my life. During this uh, restriction period that we're facing, I'm, I'm wondering if, like me, you're finding days are blurring into one another. How many times have you said, what, what day is it? Days just blur into one another. And it's so easy to, to get into the habit of, of only connecting into God and remembering God. Um, oh, it's small group night tonight. Or, oh, it's Sunday. Um, but what Daniel shows us is a way to guard our hearts, an essential way to guard our hearts when facing challenges just in everyday life is to put in daily practical prompts. That's why we encourage folks to, to dive into the Bible, read scripture, read some, some words of God and, and some, spend some time praying every day. It's not as a law you have to, but it's just as that reminder. Perhaps when you're going on one of your walks of exercise, use that as a, a thank you walk, a prayer walk, where you just spend time praying and talking to God as that reminder, God, I know I'm restricted, but I'm not restricted in my relationship with you. Perhaps I mean, if you have a, a watch that has like an hourly beep, set that up. And every time it beeps that you just go, oh, yeah, I'm just remembering that I am God's. The circumstance does not define me. God defines me. It's really important to do some practical things because the theory and the concept can very easily drift away. And that's what Daniel did. I, I'm pretty sure that's what a key part of this veggie and water thing was. It was that internal prompt to say, I am committed to God. And every day I'm going to keep reminding myself and keeping focus. Lastly, and really quickly, is this. After remembering that God is God, which guards our heart, about doing something practical. And the third one is, is choose love. Now, I know that the word love isn't actually in this whole chapter, but I want you to notice how Daniel approached the guard concerning the veggie water thing. He didn't go and demanding, my God says this, I'm doing this, I have a right it was very loving. It was very gracious. It was he, he realized that Daniel realized that if the guard gave him permission to this, it put the guard's life at risk. Daniel stepped out in love. 
When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He quoted two Old Testament scriptures, scriptures that Daniel would have known. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. These two laws of love, they sum up all of the law and the prophets. All of the thing that Daniel had left behind um, in Jerusalem is love still was to lead the way. What this means is our hearts, even though we may be restricted and find plans around us that we're not keen on, is to choose that attribute of God, of love in our conversations, in our actions, in our reactions. When it comes to to workplace and home, when it comes to the known and the unknown, is let love lead the way. And that helps us guard our hearts because God is a God of love. I wonder if there are some conversations or some situations that you need to go, I need to choose love there. I need to choose that love of patience, that love of forgiveness, that that love of kindness. You see, the way we survive in plan B is not by demanding our rights and stomping our feet, feet and waving our fist at God. It's by remembering that God is still God, even though I don't fully understand he's still in control. It's about remembering that I want to put some practical things to remind me. And finally, is to keep choosing love. Let love lead the way. For when we do this, it helps us thrive in our faith in plan B. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, although this book is written thousands of years ago, and in some ways, it's so, so different. Well, in many ways, it's so, so different. And yet, God, there's so many lessons and so many truths that we can hear and apply and and experience. Father, I want to pray for people who are watching right now, those who are just feeling so distant from you, for those who are feeling just so squished by circumstances or or by the unknown. Father, I want to pray that, Father, that they will just guard their hearts, that you will help them, that they will help themselves, that those around will guard their hearts so that there may be a thriving faith. So we may be growing stronger in our relationship with you, stronger in our knowledge of you. Father, help us to walk together, to walk closer to you and to know more of you. Amen. Thanks for joining us. I hope that was of help. We're going to look at Daniel 2 next week and we're going to see the next uh, way of, of helping our faith to thrive and, and help to live in plan B by by about applying faith. How does faith fit in there? But I want to encourage you, whatever God's been saying, share, reach out, ask questions, and uh, don't do this together. So don't do this. Don't do this. That was a really bad ending, wasn't it? Don't do this by yourself. Let's do this together, because that's how God designed us to be. Thanks for joining us.